Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ramblers, let's get rambling. Episode 661 of my podcast, Home Intelligent Rambling, right here on the Talk Show Network and one of the longest running single host of pop culture podcasts in Ontario. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Russell Hale. And we've got a terrific show lined up for you today. Lots to talk about. And I've got a chunk of animated fare, but a mix of animated and live action for you. Before we get into what's on the show today, a bit of entertainment news. Do 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 do. At the time of this recording, it has been announced, and this has been rumored for a while, so it doesn't surprise me that this is the case, that after that the upcoming season of The Flash, which won't be airing until sometime early next year, 2023, will be the ninth and final season of the show, and will only get 13 episodes. And that's not too surprising uh, when it comes to that, there kind of was you know, rumor officially that that was going to happen. And it's now been officially announced by CW that that is going to be the case. And that's a good thing in some ways, because it allows the writers, you know, to have time to write, you know, a final season and put a bow on it rather than, you know, a- announcing it, you know, halfway through the season. And then they may have already thought they were going to get renewed. And then it always ends awkwardly. And a lot of shows, you know, don't always get a proper ending. Now, the, you know, the ongoing question, of course, is will, you know, they use these 13 episodes to tie up some loose ends and say Legends of Tomorrow Batwoman? I don't know about that, guys. It's not looking too good that that's going to be the case. And when this show does go off the air, if you don't count uh, Superman and Lois, this will be the last remaining Arrowverse show standing. And that's kind of, that kind of ends an era when it comes to TV. And I don't know if we'll ever see another one like that for a while. Because, you know, the other shows that, that have been picked up, such as Titans, uh, Doom Patrol, and Stargirl, they got, as I talked about previous show, they did get renewed for another season. But that was just before the big takeover at W. Warner Brothers. And, you know, I guess it they, they was too late to cancel those seasons. Now, what's going to happen... And I'll get more into this in a little more detail well, with my reviews today, but just on the surface here. And here's my prediction, folks. If those three shows don't come out with some really stellar episodes for their next season, yeah, I I don't, you know, Superman Lois could really be the last show standing because I, I get the, the, the impression from what I read on the, on the internet that you either uh, do good in ratings or you're done. Because uh, they're trying to save some money. So we'll see. I'm looking forward to the upcoming seasons of all those shows. I mean, uh, uh, Titans is teasing the Brotherhood of Blood, which if you know your Titans, you know the comics, that was a major storyline 
for the comics. I'm really curious to see how they adapt that to the live screen aspect of it. It was a big, heavy Raven uh, focused uh, story arc, which is good because really the last season she was only kind of half in it. So that, that's good to maybe, you know, bring her back into focus again. So that's that's some of the big news. Uh, the, the the fate of other WB, Warner Brothers, uh, you know, um, comic book stuff is not that good. It looks like at the time of this recording as well, Batgirl has been canceled uh, due to delay. So that movie, that long-rumored movie, which was gonna, which was gonna feature Michael Keaton as the return of Batman, you know, United Batman. Looks like that at, at this time is dead in the water. So on the tale of of the Batgirl movie being canceled, and that's a shame because you know what, I I really curious to see what's gonna happen on that. Maybe <clears throat> being canceled. Uh, I heard previously that in the in the uh, uh, upcoming Aquaman movie. Keaton was supposed to play a part in that. And originally, you know, pre-pandemic, it was supposed to be Flashpoint, and then, um, and then, and then the Aquaman movie. But because things got knocked around, Flashpoint has been delayed, 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 it's going to air after Aquaman. So, <laughs> so, then because they, they've been testing out Aquaman, right? And and people and the people were like confused, like why why is Michael Keaton's Batman in this movie? You know, like why why is he a part of it? Because Flashpoint was supposed to be before uh, Aquaman two, so now Warner Brothers has to go back in and and put Ben Affleck in reshoot it, put Ben Affleck in those scenes in the Aquaman movie, so that when the Flashpoint movie comes, then it makes more sense. So that that is that is the the craziness which is WB, and and now with Batgirl being canceled, who knows? Because apparently Keaton had signed like originally a while back, he had signed a multi year contract with Warner Brothers to do be you know to reprise his Batman role, and now with Batgirl out of the picture, I don't know where more he's gonna be showing up. So. I don't know it's like superhero movies are such a mess these days, and 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 I would give Warner Brothers movie DC movie problems to a monkey on a rock because that's how confusing it is. So that's just your latest update in in the wacky world of DC superhero movies, and I'm sure there'll be more changes to come. Who knows? Uh, we shall see. Although it wouldn't surprise me if they just somehow background ended up H just directly HBO Max. But we'll we'll see. It's so funny to invest so much money into something and then say, ah, it's not worth the effort anymore. Kind of thing. Coming up on today's program, I'm gonna keep with the superhero theme, if you will, and give you my Blu-ray, 4K Blu-ray review on the latest, you know, DC animated universe tomorrow verse chapter. Uh, to hit your home video market. And that is the, the latest DC Universe movie, Green Lantern, Beware My Power, courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment, where Jon Stewart takes center stage. Then from there, we're going to keep with the DCU, this time the, the live-action version, for the seventh and final season of the lit DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Again, courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. Now, that not only will this be the season review, but... Uh, 
I'll give you a series review for that program as well. And then we'll continue with the uh, DC Animated. This time, the, DC, the review, the DVD review of the DC Animated show, Aquaman, King of Atlantis, because I mentioned Atlantis before, courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment, the animated feature. And then we're going to end things off from the Kingdom of Atlantis to the, the I guess, the Golden Age of New York. Because so we go back to the 1880s. This time it's New York. And, and another new series, the, and, uh, Julian Fellows, who of course created Downton Abbey. This time it is the Gilded Age, the complete first season on DVD, courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment, where it's new money, but old rules. And that's all on this episode of Ramble with Russell. So I'm going to take a quick little musical interlude right the first review of the show. My 4K Blu-ray anime movie review for this episode is Green Lantern, Beware My Power, courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. Warner Brothers Home Entertainment sent me a copy of this video to review for the podcast. The opinions they express are my own. Now, this is the latest, of course, DC Universe movies, as they like to put them out so many times a year. And it's part of what I'm seeing being called the Tomorrowverse. And it's kind of a, a, yet another rebooting of the DC animated universe after, you know, they had a one. And this one focuses on good old Jon Stewart as Green Lantern. Now, you know, a lot of people, he came to kind of a lot of attention back in the Justice League animated days voiced by the great Philip Namar. And, and there really hasn't been much done with this, you know, character since then. I mean, there's been a few, I think a few Green Lantern animated stuff since, but it's mostly been how, how Jordan and not Jon Stewart. So this time around, it's like the, this universe's Jon Stewart origin story, which borrows a lot from Kyle Reiner. If you know your DC universe stories, Kyle Reiner's origin happened is, is how when, nuts. He slaughtered the core because uh, back in the 1990s, just to give you a bit of comic book history, back in the 1990s, of course, with the death of Superman. And part of the death of Superman story was Mongol uh, trashed Coast City, uh, Hal Jordan's hometown. He wiped it out. Wiped it from the face of the earth. The good old Hal back then said, hey, Guardians, you know, my hometown got obliterated. You know, I worked for you for like ages. Can you help me fix it? And they went, nope. So, so Al cracked like an egg back then and lost it and, and, and just went bananas because the guardians wouldn't help him after all the years he put in to, you know, be their soldier. He went crazy. He attacked the core. He stole all their rings and he became parallax. Um, because that, that entity kind of invaded him and then he went nuts and became a villain. And when he wiped out the whole core, like one of the last remaining guardians was able to grant Kyle Reiner the ring, and he became the only Green Lantern in the universe. So that's kind of the Kyle Reiner story. This time around, compared to the original comic book story of, of uh, John Stewart, who was chose Azura as a replacement fill-in for Hal Jordan when the original fill-in guy Gardner got injured. And this was back in the 70s. So John Stewart's been around for a long time. <laughs> so they just 
give kind of give give John Stewart in this one Kyle Reiner's origin story, which is kind of weird, but it is what it is. <laughs> so it falls that where 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 John Stewart kind of gets thrust into the middle of this, and he has to deal with with being the ring and and dealing with it. And he's joined along the way with other JLA uh, members, Green Arrow and Hawkgirl. <laughs> they explain early in the movie that Superman and and Wonder Woman are just unavailable, and Batman is just being Batman. Doesn't want to, you know. It's like, don't bother me. And I think they they mention off Flash as well. So the only ones left are those two. Now, Martian Manhunter is briefly in it at the start, but he's kind of loved like you watch the Watchtower, Johns. Like, great. So he's barely in it, which is a shame. And the other kind of hero that gets joined along the way is good old Adam Strange, although it's not the Adam Strange you would think so. So so this story is is um is John Stewart gets the ring and then it ends up them battling uh, Sinestro and a big in 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 the long run the Thanagarian Ran war. So if you know your DC then that's it. This is a, a DC animated uh, universe story, so keep in mind, much like all the old ones, it's not for the kiddies. If if you want something more kid friendly, then go back to the old Justice League episodes because <laughs> there are some <coughs> quite intense scenes like that, and and a little bit of partial nudity. If you ever want to see how Jordan's naked butt animated, this movie is for you. I'm not joking about that. And it does paint poor old Al in not the greatest light. I, and, and somebody else mentioned this in YouTube. And this constant bashing of, of, of these characters, like, you know, just, I don't know what it is lately with DC, but they're doing this a lot. And it's kind of a shame. So it's that. Uh, Looks-wise, saw I watched the 4K version, and I compared it to the, the, the Blu-ray. Animation 4K. This movie looks terrific, man. The, the picture quality is as good as you're gonna get, and it really is sharp in, in 4K. So I, I, you know, if you're debating, oh, you know, what should I get? That that is the way to go. When it, when it comes to extras, here's where I have a bit of an issue, and, and it's a good story. I just wish Kyle Reiner's origin story didn't get sacrificed. I mean, what happens to poor Kyle? He's just doesn't exist in this universe. Also, from a design, uh, design standpoint, I did notice something really odd. If you look at Sinestro's logo of the of the of the yellow lantern core on its chest, it doesn't look like it should. They've altered it to to a different logo, and yet there are other members uh, of the yellow lantern core they fe feature in this movie. One of them does have that original logo. I, you don't see it. It's really quick. You gotta kind of pay attention to the background. It's there, so that character has it, but Sinestro doesn't. And it makes me wonder if it's a copyright thing that they're trying to get around when it comes to Sinestro. It's really weird to not see him with the usual, you know, yellow lantern logo. And why does one of his have it and not others not have it? So yeah, it's it's that. Um, I mean, if you're a fan of Hal Jordan, you're not gonna like what happens <laughs> to him. Oh man, in this story, it is what it is. But mm. 
<laughs> when it comes to that. Uh, so for extras, uh, and, and this, you don't get a lot, you know, it, it, I, I miss the days when these things, you know, used to get a lot of extras, but lately, I don't know what it is. <laughs> for extras, you only get, um, the, you get the John Stewart, the, the power and the glory. This is nice. Fairly, um, 14 or so feature, featurette, which does go over the history of, of the character John Stewart and, and is from his comics to the animated series. You get some nice, you know, interview segments with Phil Lamar, who was the voice of Lantern, uh, from, from the, from the old Justice League animated show, you know, the Tim Burton, uh, that <laughs> Bruce Tim era kind of stuff. So that's cool. But no featurette on this actual making of the movie itself, which is like, what? I mean, you hear from the voice actor talking about Green Lantern, but nothing for this actual movie. And besides that, you do get two bonus cartoons. And it's nice to see bonus cartoons come back to these releases because Lord Mighty, I, it used to be a real staple. And then it, they've been kind of cutting them out lately. And it's nice to see they came back. These two for this release are very appropriate. They are the two episodes from the early seasons of Justice League. Justice League, a cartoon show. Like, before it became Unlimited, I'm not sure which episode it was, but it's the, the two-parter in Brightest Day, where uh, where Jon Stewart gets put on trial for something they claim he's done, and it's up to the rest of the league, except for Superman, Batman. He's just being a loner boy. So, uh, so yeah, the rest of the league, consisting, and, and Wonder Woman's not around either. So you just have Superman, Flash... Uh, Martian Manhunter and Hawkgirl trying to come to John's aid uh, when it comes to this. So not a full Justice League. I don't know why those, those two weren't around. So that is that. Um, so that's nice to see that animated. Uh, it would have been nice to have some commentary, but yeah, it is. And then the only other um, extras you get are previews for titles that were released years ago, like going back to like 2018. Where is there a featurette promoting the next release, which is coming out in October, Batman and Superman Battle of Two Sons in October? Usually what they used to do is they put a featurette for the next uh, like animated feature that's going to come out in the current release. And that used to be a trend. But for some reason, nope. You, you just, I don't know why they stopped doing that. But you won't get that this time around. It usually was nice. It's a good like little tease. Yeah, Batman and Superman Battle of the Super Sons. <laughs> so and that's Damian Wayne and Jonathan Kent. Uh, or is it John Hill? Uh, battling, trying to uh, fight off the league and Starro. Good old Starro the Conqueror. Starro, man. So that's coming out in October. <clears throat> but no promo for that whatsoever. Voice cast is good. You have um, you have uh, Aldis Hodge as Green Lantern. I like his voice. I think it's done well. Brian Bloom is Adam Strange, so he's a you know person we've heard before. And yeah, and and Nolan North this time is Hal Jordan. So the, and he's you know done lots of animated stuff over the years. So it is what it is. It's Again, I see these new Tomorrowverse stuff kind of building to to something bigger, and and there are like 
and and unfortunately, when it comes to when it comes to um, DC animated, that the 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 Super Suns thing that's the last one for 2022. There are some more releases coming out in 2023, according to Wikipedia. Some of them being a uh, um, the League of Superheroes, a a, a a sequel to Justice Society World War II movie, which I reviewed not too long ago. So there, there are some interesting titles coming out for next year, but we only got one more for this year, and that be it. So that's what we have to look forward to. Now, what I haven't mentioned in the last few reviews of some of this newer animated universe is, is the slip covers. And for the last few, and especially ones with this Tomorrowverse label, they've been slowly spelling out something on the spine. I really love that kind of stuff. And when this was released, I thought, okay, what's the next letter it's going to spell? And this is something weird, and I don't know why this happened, but I'm, you know, I'm going to point these things out to you guys. For the 4K Blu-ray release, I'm thinking, all oh, right, it's going to be a new letter, and it's going to continue with, with the rest of it. For some reason, instead of what should be there, and if you look on the Blu-ray release, the proper graphic is there. Instead of being a U with a bit of John Stewart there, for the 4K, and this is on the slip cover and the cover art on the spine, they they reprinted for the 4K the the C from from a from one of the previous releases. So I don't know why that happened and why it's what it's supposed to be in the regular Blu-ray DVD, but the 4K Blu-ray combo bag, it has the wrong one. I don't know why that happened. That's really weird. Uh, so beware, you, you will get a better picture quality, but if you're, you know, like, I, you know, I really want to play, play properly on the screen, then you have to go the Blu-ray route. I don't know why that, I've never seen that happen before, that there'd be a discrepancy, but it is, somebody screwed up somewhere. And I'm curious to see in the future, when the, more of these things are on the shelves, if they'll fix that. So just a note for you guys out there, I've never seen that kind of mess up before, but it is what it is. So, also uh, overall, a, a fun movie. Uh, you know, just uh, it's it's it's. I you only get to see him in his full lantern costume, like till near the end, because most of it he's just wearing like pants and a long coat, and you see like a hint of it, but he doesn't go isn't you know, fully accepted until the last part of the movie. So. Covers a little deceiving that way. So that is my take of the new DC Universe movie, Green Lantern, Beware My Power, on 4K Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Warner Brothers Home Entertainment.
show on Blu-ray review for this episode is DC's Legends of Tomorrow, the seventh and final season, courtesy of the great folks at Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. Warner Brothers sent me a copy of this TV show on Blu-ray to review for this episode. The opinions I express are my own. Now, I said this is the seventh and final season of DC Legends of Tomorrow, and it's always been a bit of a kind of quirky, wacky show when it comes to the Arrowverse, you know, bunch of shows. And in the last few seasons, I it's been struggling. And when the when the big uh, Warner Brothers Discovery deal happened, this is one of the shows, much like Batwoman, where the, the ratings were just not there, and it got canceled um, before it had a chance to kind of wrap things up. And it, unfortunately, that really shows in this seventh season. And you know, the seventh season is is an is an odd season for this show. Uh, in in a lot of ways, because it it, it it's one of these where, it, especially the ending, it, it is so like oh we really wanted uh, like a big tease for the eighth season which will never happen now, and that's a shame. The seventeenth seventh season kicks off because at the end of the sixth we had that big like okay, what the and and the gang gets stranded in the nineteen twenties when the Rave Rider gets blown to bits. So a good chunk of the early part of this seventh and final season is him kind of figuring out, okay, why the shit get blown up and how do we get back to back to the, you know, back to their present 2021, 2022, whatever. So that's, they're trying to figure out how to get out of being stranded in the past with no time ship and no way of seemingly to get home. This season also, of course, season six marked the end of John Constantine on the show, but not the end of Matt of Matt Ryan being on Legends. He does come back in the show, not as Constantine, but as the inventor of time travel. And it's amazing what some changing the hair color and putting a beard on really does to changing the look of the character. And and he's a, he's an odd, odd duck in that. I kind of wish Constantine had stayed because <laughs> uh, it, it's just a weird <laughs> character. They just kind of throw in there. It's like, <laughs> so Matt Ryan is part of the show, but not the way he was before. <coughs> so it, it, it's really that their kind of quest to um, get home and try to survive it. And although in, in this season, Constantine doesn't leave without parting the gift and he gives Zari, uh, this magical key that gives them a, uh, access to his mansion, the interdimensional mansion. So they do get a way to escape in a way. It's very convoluted because it's legends. And, and that's the main, the, the main, um, kind of, uh, focus of this episode. Uh, when it comes to that, we also see the the departure of 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 the character of Nate, who they kind of write him out at the end of this season. And and you think about it when it comes to characters, and we're gonna get into this uh, when it comes to this show. Uh, the character who plays Nate Haywood, Nick Zemo, he next to the character of Gideon and Sarah Lance are one of the longest running. <laughs> Characters in Legends of Tomorrow because this show has changed cast members so many times. Also, Gideon this season, they they had teased this kind of earlier in previous seasons, but let's just say Gideon uh, this time around is more than just 
uh, you know, uh, an AI, just a voice of a computer, she, the actress, gets to kind of uh, do a little bit more with the character this time around. And, th- and this season, it also celebrates its 100th episode. Uh, so that's cool. And that episode is kind of neat because it has a lot of flashbacks and a lot of older characters return. Although there are some cameos that are notably absent when it came to the 100th episode. It's like, oh, I see who you bring back and who you don't bring back when it comes to that. And now that the show is over, I did want to kind of go over the series as a whole because Legends of Tomorrow was one of these shows that started off really good. All right. When it started off, and I'm going to go over what I think caused the low ratings and where it kind of faltered. <laughs> because like a lot of shows... It had a good start, but uh, it lost its way along the way. And, and here's my theory on this, okay? When, when it started, it was a nice premise. You had, you had the, all these kind of sidebar heroes and villains from the Arrowverse, including Ray Palmer, the Atom, Sarah Lance, you know, the White Canary. You had, you had Martin Steen, Jefferson Jacks, Firestorm. Uh, yeah, and then you had uh, the the Kendra Saunders version of Hawkgirl, the Carter Hall version of Hawkman. And then you had, of course, Captain Cold, London Snart, and McRory Heatwave. So, you know, all these characters from the other Arrowverse shows, so you had, like, Flash, you had uh, Arrow, you know, all these ones that they, they, they took these peripheral characters and put them into the show. And, and other than... White Canary, all these characters are legit characters in the comics, which never really got, like, they were never really strong enough to get their own show, I guess, so they made them an ensemble group. So that's why the show really took off, I think, in that first season. And then, and then you had, so it was mostly recognized heroes, right? So people, even if you weren't familiar with them, say, with the previous shows they guessed in Arrow, in the Arrowverse programs, it's like, oh, I've heard of them. You know, I know, you know, any casual DC fan is going to know these characters. So that worked really well for the first season. And then second season, of course, we're joined by um, Nate Haywood, Citizen Steel, who, of course, was, was, uh, Steel was a character from the old Justice Society. So that, again, a legit comic book character, which never really had, you know, much of a focus. Like, he never would have got his own show. Then also that brought in, that also um, brought in other uh, JSA member, Vixen, who had some animated appearances before in Justice League, but this was her first, like, live action, so that was cool. And then you also, and then your main villains in there was like, you know, Eobard Thawne, the Reverse Flash. So that was cool. And then you had Damian Dark and Malcolm Merlins. You had all these Flash and Arrow villains kind of mixed into it. So, so that, you know, again, a strong kind of second season, right? Third season, you, you then, then, then you, um, then you bring in Ava Sharp. And this is when things start to kind of going off the rails a little bit. All right. So the first two seasons were strong. <laughs> you had recognized, established characters. <laughs> so the third season, you bring in Ava. And and then you bring in Nora, who is Damien Dark's daughter. And I don't think, uh, and this, again, established comic book character, but it's going all right. 
And then you bring in Zari. All right. Now, this is the start when they start replacing well-known characters with ones they just made up. And you can say, oh, restaurant, I caught you. Okay, I have the DC Encyclopedia people. I could not find them anywhere. So Zari comes in with the totem power. And so then you then so then you have that gets added to the team. But then you also bring in Wally West for a little bit. So then you have you know another kind of character that's supporting. So that's okay. We're mixing the formula up. We still have some, you know, recognized um characters. Then <laughs> season four. Then 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 uh then Rip is gone. Right. And Constantine comes in. They go, oh, cool, Constantine. You know, this is after he had his own, you know, one season of a show. It didn't really go that far. So they're bringing him in to flesh him out. So that's cool. Again, a character that has not a lot of work in the DC universe. <clears throat> then, then we start bringing in, you know, um, then we start bringing in Charlie, which again, a different, you know, it's like, all right, we're just going to pull this person away from whatever. Uh, that's not somebody that we knew. And then Gary comes in. Again, a character they totally invented for the show, to, as far as I know. So then he comes in, and then we get introduced to... Then Zary goes away, and then Bayrod, her brother, comes in. So again, again, not established characters... And, and you see the trend here, right? With, like, people they invent. And the team starts getting more and more and more diverse. Because when you started the show, the only kind of diverse character you had was Jax as Firestorm. Everybody else, whitey, 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 white, white. Okay? So we'll <laughs> see where this is kind of going. And 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 so you have that for for season four. Okay? And then season five, they double down and, and they bring another new character. Now, this is Astro Lowe, a, a, you know, a, a character that was hint, you know, was used in the Constantine series. And then they just kind of import her into this show. Uh, so she comes in. And so you're starting to see the team kind of fill out, but it's all again with people that don't necessarily recognize heroes. Then season six comes in, and then we, you know, then then like Ray starts to leave the show, and then they bring in Spooner, and we still have Constantine. They're thinking, all right, Constantine's still in it. Woo! <laughs> and then comes season seven. Constantine is gone, and the only somewhat heroes left standing are Serlance, who doesn't even wear the White Canary outfit much anymore, and Steel. And slight spoiler, but end of season seven, Steel is gone. So all we have are these weird misfits with these weird kind of powers, a weird alien dude. Uh, and even Sarah goes for change, which is not completely Sarah anymore. <laughs> and you're thinking, 
okay, this is why this show started to go downhill. Because I, in my opinion, as soon as you started pulling away all of these established characters, when all these big ones like Firestorm and the Hawks and, and Heat Wave, and I think Rory, he left in season six too. When all the when you start pulling these all away from the main group, the the casual DC fan doesn't care anymore. Now they tried right at the end to bring in another established hero into the DC in, into the show, but <laughs> they they race swapped them, and it was a completely unnecessary race swap. And it's like. I'd heard the rumor this character was going to be in, you know, in the latter part of season seven. He shows up. They don't do much with him. He wears pits of what could have been his armor. But it's like, really? It was, was the team not diverse enough? Did you really have to go there and then totally race swap this character you bring in right at the last episode? And the funny thing is, this character was supposed to, like, with an eighth, eighth season, you know, really continue on and be more part of the team. But why, why did you feel that was necessary? <laughs> this the, the character they put in, he's been animated many times, and he's stayed true to the comics. <sighs> but they, they, they just... And, and this is, again, the reasons, <laughs> reasons why, part of why the ratings for the show... Started to go because as it got further and further on, it got more and more wokey and less and less uh, a hero show. It became less superhero y and more wokey. And I think, honestly, that's what killed it in the ratings. <laughs> because it's such a trend to go from the first season, we have, you have the, the, all these established kind of misfit heroes and villains, but we all, you know, most DC fans don't know who they are to the end. Uh, and six seasons later, it, it's just a bunch of weirdos with powers. And we've turned into misfits from uh, misfits of science. This team has turned into that old eighties TV show. Misfits from uh, misfits of science or uh, what is it? Mutants where it's these random people with powers. They're not based out of any comic book character origins. They're just there, and you got to like them kind of thing. And if if the show had started that way, if you'd started Legends like you ended it, it would have got one season, maybe two if it was lucky, gone. And, and and it's just a shame to see such a, show, a program that started so strong, had such a good premise to get watered down, and then because of that, lose ratings and gets canceled. And that that's the sad point. If you disagree with me, Ramblers, if you think, oh, no, Russ, you don't have that right. It counts for other reasons. <laughs> Tweet me on, on my Twitter page, which I'll give out at the end of the show. Let me know if you think it was some other reason why led to the downfall of the show. Because if you look at it, it really, the more they, 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 they strayed away and got into wacky doodle stuff, the less I think fans wanted to stay with it anymore. And that's why the reasons it dropped. 
four extras on this. You don't get a lot. I've, I've said this before. I don't know why. And and for this being the, the last season, you think, 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 think they would have done a little bit more for this. And, and that just shows, that just shows how much they thought they were going to get an eighth season. You All you get for extras, and it's sad, you do get a bunch of deleted scenes spread throughout the all the discs that are in this. You do get Captain at the Helm celebrating the 100th episode, although that feature should have been a heck of a lot longer. Uh, you do get a gag reel. They're always funny, but again, too short. And you get the SD San Diego at home cast panel season seven highlights. This is, you know, prior to this year, of course, where we had the big, the, the return of San Diego Comic-Con to, to uh, letting people in. This is the, the at home panel where it, the, the footage is super short. It's not really that informative. And I like the older Comic-Con at, it's actually at Comic-Con ones better. It really is a shame they didn't get to go this year and do it properly. I mean, the like Warner Brothers was really barely at Comic-Con this year. They had that one Hall H thing with, with, um, with, with, um, Black Adam. And that <laughs> wasn't much else than that. That's a shame. Uh, but that that's kind of it. A lackluster ending. I would have loved to have seen at least some episode commentary or maybe something more for the end of it. And it did end in a huge cliffhanger. There people are there's rumor, oh, maybe they'll wrap it up with you know in the last season of The Flash. But with only 13 episodes, don't hold your breath, Ramblers. If 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 you're if you're fans of the show and maybe we're lucky, maybe they'll do like a TV movie just to kind of tie up the loose ends. Of it, but it will ever be left on a huge cliffhanger until that happens. So that is my take of DC Legends of Tomorrow, the seventh and the final season on Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Water Brothers Home Entertainment. <laughs>
DC Animated on DVD review for this episode is Aquaman, King of Atlantis, courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. Warner Brothers Home Entertainment sent me a copy of this movie to review on DVD. For the purposes of review, the opinions I express are my own. Now, this originally aired on HBO Max and is kind of a an animated sequel, if you will, to the James Wan Aquaman movies in that, in that it's like, Okay, what would be what would happen if this was the day after that movie ended, and now Aquaman has to prove himself to the citizens of the kingdom that he just fought and won for? That's that's kind of the premise of this animated show, and it's 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 a it's a a big feature length episode that has three chapters. So one chapter is the Dead Sea, then you have uh, Primordius, and then you have Tidal Shift. So it's like. Three forty-three or so minute episodes kind of rolled into one to make one big long movie. Now the animation style on this one is kind of odd. It reminds you of a lot of like Nickelodeon from the nineteen nineties, kind of like um, you know, uh, Rocco's Modern Life kind of deal. It's really odd, and it it's done very much tongue in cheek, very much humor, and it's. It's the type of animation that you either go, wow, that's really cool, or man, this looks way too weird. <laughs> you kind of have to go with it, as it's played for laughs big time. So your main character's in this, and it's drawn in a way, like Aquaman in this one, he kind of has his regular look, but his, his, his outfit, instead of like a deep orange, it's a bright yellow. Instead of a light green, it's like a dark green. And for some reason, his beard is multicolored and kind of kelpy with a little bit of orange in it. It's a real, like a, like he has like green facial hair and it's like, all right, we'll just accept that as that's his deal. Yeah. So a little bit of green, a little bit of blonde look in it. It's, it's such an odd, odd look, but this is what he has. 
uh, Aquaman is voiced by Cooper Andrews. You have Mira in this one, voiced by Jillian Jacobs. Uh, Volko is brought back, animated by Thomas Lennon. <laughs> and, and Dana Schneider is Ocean Master, who is kind of your reoccurring villain in this one, in the story. And it, it's basically just, you know, Aquaman trying to go, okay, I need to prove that I'm worthy to be king of this kingdom. And he goes through these adventures and trying to, first he goes to an outpost to try to rescue them. Then there's these weird kind of, this weird kind of possessed fisherman. It's it's an odd, and then there's this weird kind of Russian man under the ocean who's evil. It, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's no Justice League animated, okay? This is a weird animated show. So you kind of have to go in with that it's, 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 to me, it's like Spongebob, Spongebob. It's strangely compelling. Like you watch it and you're going, what the heck am I watching? Yet it still makes you want to watch more. And there's even an, a really odd song in the middle of this. It is just the feature. There are no featurettes. It's just, you know, three episodes to me kind of smooshed together. It's probably one of the oddest takes in Aquaman I've ever seen and Mira, and I don't know if it goes any further past these kind of three episodes uh, knocked together. It's like a good setup for a possible continued animated show. It doesn't surprise me it aired on HBO Max because it's like animated, but is it really kid-friendly? Like throughout these, throughout this long three-episode movie, Aquaman keeps obsessing over eating fish. He rules the Noir's kingdom, but he can't stop himself eating fish. It's like the, it's the weirdest imagery. You're going like, what's wrong with this picture? Overall, if you're looking for a different take on, on the Lord of the Ocean, this is it. It, it, it. it is something else, but I don't know how kid-friendly it is. I mean, you want to go kid-friendly? Like the old 1960s Aquaman is about as kid-friendly as you're ever going to get uh, when it comes to that. So that is my take of Aquaman, King of Atlantis on DVD, courtesy of the great folks of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment.
My TV show on DVD review for this episode is The Gilded Age, the complete first season, courtesy of the great folks at Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. Warner Brothers Home Entertainment sent me a copy of this TV show and DVD to review for the program. The opinions expressed are my own. This is, of course, the latest series from Julian Fellows, the creator of Downton Abbey. And it's another historical drama. This time, though, we are going back to the 1880s and we're going back to New York City. So we're moving from England to New York City. And I don't know what it is with the 1880s lately. I mean, we have, we have on Paramount 1883, which hopefully we're going to copy that sometime soon. Um, that that just came out. The, the difference being, 1883 is set in the western part of America, and this is clearly in the east in New York City. And it revolves around two houses. With Downton Abbey, it was basically one household and the members in it. This time, it's a two-household story where we have the 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 new rich versus the old rich, if you will, kind of competing for attention and. You know, I guess place in society, and whereas Down was, you know, a good mix of the lower class and the upper class, much like upstairs, downstairs. This is the most of the stories in this one revolve around the upper and only a little bit in the lower. Your main kind of two houses, if you will, uh, going along the, this the story is you have on one side of the street you have the Russells who are these new rich people uh, that have kind of moved into the area and, and, and the opposite side of, of the way you have the kind of older rich and kind of side of it. So it's kind of an interesting combination and, and the older rich uh, this led by Christine Baranski, and this is a good role for Christine Baranski. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm a huge follower of her when it comes to all of her programs, but in this one, I think she really does a good job in this role, uh, if you will. I think it really suits her for for what it is. And so you have the the Russell side of uh, George Russell, played by Morgan Spector, and then you have. Uh, Carrie Coons playing Bertha Russell, and then they have a daughter as well. And then the other side of the street, you you have the older family, and and that story revolves around the, the these these older ladies, and their their niece Marion decides to uh, their 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 brother's child, and they've had a falling out with the brother. She comes to live with them because she has nowhere else to go. So they take her in. So you have this young girl that's moving into this big, you know, rich society and trying to fit in. Now, what happens along the way, and I thought this is very interesting, uh, as she's kind of traveling to them, she uh, she's at she's kind of at the train station, right? And she has her purse in her hand. She's kind of carrying it around, which, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. And she's sitting down uh, at the table with this other young lady uh, that, that's traveling with her, uh, the character of, of Peggy, who becomes a major character in this. And, and the, these, two older guys, these two guys are kind of like having an argument. She gets knocked over, right? And, and then she finds that her wallet is gone, right? And this is her wallet with all her stuff, and her ticket to get to her aunt's place. Well, right beside her is this, this the character of Peggy. 
and and she you know says oh okay i mean i'm i'm stuck if you help pay for my rest of my voyage then then my aunts can help you out peggy scott played by <coughs> denny benton and it's funny with this interaction and i i went back and i looked at this a few times so if you watch the scene you go okay so these these guys kind of bump into her right knock her over and she gets up and and you see Peggy kind of bend down. She kind of like grabs something, tucks it away, and doesn't say a thing about it. And this makes me suspect, and nobody seems to be the wiser. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was those guys who bumped into her that took her purse. But it really like to me, she had it in her hand. She gets pushed over into Peggy. It leaves her hand. It probably fell right on the bench she was on, right? And she gets up. You see Peggy kind of, you know, adjust herself, reach down, grab the camera's little back. It's hard to really tell. Grab something, tuck it away real quick, and not say a thing. And it looks like at the start, because Peggy really didn't have, she was like a run. You find out why she was running away, but she really didn't have where she was going. And she uses this connection with Marion to to get into this house with her aunts and that then gives her an out away from her parents. We find out more about that as the show goes on. And it seemed like, oh, did you just swipe this poor girl's wallet just so you could get in her favor with her aunts and have somewhere to go? Because cause it's like, well, here's this girl. Looks like she could be a mark, and she has money. I could kind of use her, and it and it shocked me. Now, maybe I'm seeing it wrong. You ramblers, you can rewind and look at this. But I swear she snatched it. And throughout, I kept waiting this whole season. Like, okay, you know, eventually she's gonna fess up and say, "Oh, you know, actually that day I found your purse in the bench, but it was so awkward. I don't know how to give it back to you. Here you go." <laughs> Doesn't happen. So you tell me, Ramblers, you comment on Twitter. You tell me if I'm totally off and you say, no, it's just Mark. You clearly see the guy with the guys picks up the purse from the bench. Guys, I think Penny took it or Peggy took it. I think she did. And and she saw a way to, 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 to on the situation and just went for it. So I, I could be wrong. Maybe it's just, you know, just a coincidence that she, you know, was there and able to use her to get in good with her aunts. I do But that remains to be seen. So, so you have Miriam coming in and and the, the whole kind of arc of these nine episodes, only on three DVDs, is is these these families trying to get along. And cause you have, you know, these these two clashing and and the Russells are very ruthless. Uh, George Russell is is a railroad kind of guy, and he does not take any prisoners. And Bertha, she just wants to be recognized. She has this big house that she you know and and wants society to accept her, but it's not as easy as you think it would be to get accepted. So so it's it's the Van Ryn house kind of versus. The the Russell House in a way, it's very much that. As with most Julian Fellow shows, the the costumes and the scenery are gorgeous. 
they actually did build a good chunk of the Russell House. Uh, so that's amazing. I mean, that would have been it's quite a set to walk on to. And you do get a good supporting cast by some of the, the, the servants. One more, almost notably, is good old Simon Jones. Yes, the same Simon Jones who was Arthur Dent in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He plays the English butler for the Van Rynes, and and it's a pretty interesting role for him to hear. Like, like first, with the white hair and the beard, and going, wait a minute, I know that voice. Yeah, that's that's Arthur Dent in the show. So that's, that was a highlight for me. And and normally, you know, Ramblers, I don't review a lot of drama dramas on the show, but I, I was so impressed by Downton, I thought I'd give this show uh, a look to. And at first... It does take some getting used to, you know, if it, uh, when you're out the band, you're looking for explosions and action and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no, it's not a big action heavy show. It, it's, it's a drama drama, but I, I found the characters really interesting and, and it really developed as it got along. I'm really curious to see where it goes for season two. And there is some social commentary when it comes to African-American, you know, blacks and, and how they were back then. And But it's, it's enough. What I like about it is that it, it sends a message, but it doesn't whomp you over the head with it and make you like, see, see, see how things are really bad. It, it, it's, it makes a statement, but it doesn't sacrifice story to make the statement. And that's how it should be. It should be so subtle. You see it, but it doesn't have to hit you over the head with it every time. So that's good. Four extras. I'm really impressed by the amount of extras on this, on, on this three disc set. You get with a lot, with most, you know, uh, HBO shows, original shows, you do get inside the episode. These are featurettes for each of the nine episodes, covering just like a little brief overview on what the story was about and a little behind the scenes. You also get um, all that glitters, uh, glitters creating the golden age and invitation to the set. Um, you also get character featurettes of each of the characters, the main ones anyway. You get the Russell House a set tour uh, featuring Carrie Coon, so she gives you a little tour of it, and it's a very brief tour. The Gilded Age, the Black Elite of New York, which is, again, highlighting something, but not signing over your head with it. Design the Gilded Age, old money versus new, uh, new and the heart of the matter. Now, many of these featurettes are really short. They're like two, three minutes. The, 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 the Bones ones are on the third disc. Now, I've seen this before with bonus features. I don't know why this keeps happening, but it's not happening again. The, the, a lot of the, when you watch the main featurettes, ones that are like 14 minutes long, there's segments in there that are exactly the, the same from the minute, this two minute one. So they've repeated some of the two minute featurettes in the main 14 minute ones. And I don't know why this keeps happening. Ooh, are they doing it for padding? What is the reason? Why do you have to? bring in that, repeat that in the, in the bigger one. Why wouldn't you either one, just leave that featurette on its own and not include it in the, in the 14 main or two, leave it in the 14 main, but don't leave it as another additional, additional featurette. It seems like unnecessary padding. And I don't know why they do that. There's no commentary on any of these episodes, which is a real shame. I would like to have had at least on the first and the last, just, you know, I think the show definitely deserves some nice audio commentary. 
overall, it, it's the nice historical drama, and I don't watch a lot of historical dramas, but this one really did, did catch my attention. I think Bransky does a great acting job in this. She really nails the character. And it, it's it's a triumph of uh, glorious, witty, and, and addictive by the Insi TV Insider. Yeah, that's a good quote for that. And irresistible, elegantly told, and finally acted by the Boston Globe. I'd agree with that comment as well. And with all Julian Fellows, there are some characters that are evil and just out to no good. I will warn you, though, this is not a completely safe show to watch with kids around. There is some nudity, some female nudity in this. It's brief, but it's there, so be forewarned. It's a part of it. It's not, you're not talking Spartacus here, but it's an HBO show. So <laughs> learn to, you know, expect that all HBO shows are not always safe to watch with kids around. Uh, but uh, I did enjoy it. I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with season two with this. Uh, but it, it's a nice sale of class. And, and it really makes it, the one point with Marion, it's like, man, yeah, really pulls in your heartstrings of what happens with her. And and unfortunately, that kind of thing probably happens way too often in that day and age. But overall, a fun program, a good set of extras, and we'll be curious to see where it goes in season number two. That is my take of The Gilded Age, the complete first season on DVD, courtesy of the great folks at Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. I'm going to wrap things up for this edition of the show. Hope you all enjoyed it. As always, you can touch me in a number of ways. You can always check me out on Twitter. I'm at Rambling Russ, at R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-R-U-S-S. Tweet me, I'll tweet you back. If you follow me, I will follow you on Twitter. And if you tweet me anything, I will absolutely respond back to you. So if those questions I, I threw in there, please, I want to hear from my audience. I always love to hear from my audience. Of course, you can check out all new shows right here on the Talk Show Network. I'm caller ID 18411. And as I've said before, if you used to play the show and you hear some weird commercial in a foreign language or some ad when it comes to, like, Niagara real estate, don't worry about it. Go ahead, like, 30 seconds or so. My <laughs> show is still there. But as part of being Talk Show, they got to put bloody ads in the front of it. So that's part of the free service. So just, I'm still there. Just going to get past that little bit. And, of course, you can check me out on other platforms as well. I'm also, uh, the new episodes are on um, Spotify and Google Play and many other uh, podcast directories across the World Wide Web. If you want to go do a bit of a flashback back and check out some of my older shows, including a lot of my coverage from Fan Expo back in the day, check out my original website where there are no commercials at the front of each show at Libsyn, HTTP, full colon, backslash, backslash, Rambling Russ, R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-R-U-S-S, dot libsyn that's dot l-i-b-s-y-n is in november dot com that's original home internet from 2006 about 2013 i switched to talk show lots of great old reviews and interviews there including my fan expo coverage from about 2009 to 2012 lots of great stuff there and i hope you checked it out when you get a chance on oh, no, you checked it out on many other podcast directories across the world wide web and in itunes under podcast just search for it and you'll find it listed there What's coming up on future editions of the show? Oh, I got a lot of stuff coming up. August is going to be a pretty busy month when it comes to Paramount. We got uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is coming out on Blu-ray. I hope to have that review 
for you very soon. And as I mentioned before, uh, Downton Abbey, the new era is coming out uh, this month. And I'll hopefully have a copy of that to review for you guys on the program. I uh, just, and uh, as well from the nice folks, Disney, I did get a uh, code for the brand new movie Lightyear, which is coming out on digital really soon this month. So I have the, I'll be getting the digital code for that. I'm going to check out that and tell you my interpretation of this movie, which is a lot of mixed reviews. Becomes good old buzz for you. So that is any future episode of the program. So that's all coming up on the show. I also might uh, give you my digital review of uh, Doctor Strange Multiple Forms of Madness. I'm just having some troubles with that code, but we'll get that sorted out soon. That's all in future episodes of this program. And I might do some catch-up, too. I still have some older Paramount movies on Blu-ray I need to really get caught up on, including Orange County, Harold and Maude, Soap Dish, and Win a Date with Todd Hamilton. So that's possibly in upcoming episodes as well. And that is it for me. Uh, um, uh, the contest note, the, the contest for Downton Abbey is still a go, and it's open until the show comes out on video on August 9th. So you have a very short window <coughs> to uh, get that. And I only get two winners for a Blu-ray copy, so you got to be quick. Uh, look, listen back to um, a couple of episodes ago or so where I gave away the, the question for that contest. First person who tweets me the right answer for that will win themselves one of two copies of that movie. But I can only give them away until August 9th, so you guys got to pitter-patter and hurry. If you can give me the, the the right answer to that question in a previous, like, one or two episodes back, I will be able to get the nice folks at Universal send you a copy of that movie for free on me. You just got to enter it to win it. Just that simple. So get cracking soon, because I like to give away stuff, but y'all got to, you know... Participate for me to do so. So that is coming. I do like to do give giveaways as well. A reminder to all y'all: if you want to contribute to the show, if you want to be part of the show, and you know, control what I review, I have set up an Amazon wish list. The, the the links are in each episode, and I have posted it in Twitter in the past. Anything on that wish list that you select and buy will get reviewed on the show. And if you want, I will credit you for the selection. If you want to be anonymous, you can. I don't have Patreon. I don't have Discord. I don't have anything. I'm not begging you for money like some YouTubers do. Right? None of that. But if you want to give back to the show and you want to control what I review, I have a lot of good choices out there, all of different various prices. And it's whatever you can do to, to help out. And there's some things I've been thinking about reviewing, but... I want to gauge your interest. I'm not going to go deep into it unless I know you, the interest is out there. So it is there. I continually add to it, tweak it, and remove it all the time. If you can do it, it's great. If not, you know, that, that's your choice. I, I'm going to continue to do the show as I always do. But I, I'd, I'd love to see what, what you guys would like me to talk about. So that's just your way of giving back to the show, which I've been doing now for over... 16 years and counting. So there's your chance to give a little bit back. That is it for me. And we'll talk to you next time right here on Ramble Russell. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.